broadcasting live from the R&R Studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy, presented by Tequila Embajador. Yeah, I don't know. I think, I, you know, it, it's, I think they've, they're trying to do a lot. I think we're trying to maybe we're trying to do too much. So we come off of a bye with a great week of practice, and, and now it's like I'm not – I got to do this or I got to do that. or um, So I think that may have a little bit to do with it. Uh, we talked about playing free, knowing what to do, and then doing what you know. I felt like we, we really prepared well. I thought we believed in what we were doing and the game plan. And uh, I just felt like they were trying to press a little bit and, and um, maybe miss some assignments that way, put themselves in maybe some poor body positions or uh, to try to do too much. So, But the, the effort wasn't an issue. I just think the execution of the plays in which we tried to run were, were a problem for us. That was Raiders interim head coach Rich Basaccia, uh, and I think it took him about a minute or two to get to the bottom of the line, bottom of the line, the bottom line, I should say. The Raiders just didn't execute, and they haven't been executing, not cleanly, not efficiently, um, definitely not in a way that's going to win football games. Two weeks in a row uh, were miscues, turnovers, penalties, lack of execution, lack, lack of poise. Um, just a lot of those little things that add up to a big thing and usually a loss. That's what happened on Sunday against the Kansas City Chiefs. It happened a week before that against the New York Giants. Um, and that's the bottom line. It's on the Raiders. We could talk all we want about the Kansas City Chiefs and how good they played. They played well. But the Raiders were still in that game into almost to the brink of the fourth quarter until one too many errors cost them again. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonson, New York, and Lincoln Kennedy, brought to you by Tequila in Bajador, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. On a Tuesday, Lincoln Kennedy, you were there. Uh, I saw you at halftime. Um, you had some uh, choice words uh, to say <laughs> when we ran into each other in the brief moment uh, that we said hello. Uh, but, but Lincoln Kennedy, I think, I truly believe this is more about the Raiders than it is who they've been playing. In spite of the score, on Sunday, it was a blowout, but that was a game up until I felt Deshaun Jackson's fumble. I'm not putting it on him because he's not the reason that they lost, but I do believe if he hangs on to that ball, the Raiders score a touchdown, make it a 24-21 game, anything's possible at that point. Um, but it was just one too many errors to that point, and I think it deflated the Raiders, and we saw what the result of was uh, you know, uh, going down the stretch, a 17-0 run by the Chiefs. But I still think that this is more on the Raiders than what the other teams are doing. Well, of course it's on the Raiders because the Raiders had foolish mistakes, right. stupid penalties. They, you know, look, it doesn't matter who you're playing against. When you're playing in the National Football League, you have to play at times almost near-perfect football. You cannot waste possessions against a potent offense like that. And the fact is, after the defense came out and initial to start the game, went three and out, the Raiders got the ball. They were fourth and one. And dumbass Alex Leatherwood jumped off sides. And I'm calling him a dumbass because the penalties are getting sickening. It, it, it's, it's beyond ridiculous. You cannot be that careless to have damn near one or two almost every single game. You know what I mean? And so it, it, there, there's things that, that are so frustrating. You've got a nose guard. Solomon Thomas is sitting right over the football. He jumps off sides. What are you looking at? You know, these are stupid penalties, and this is the reason why I'm so angry at this is because I can't stand the damn Chiefs. And the Raiders have had the ability to beat the Chiefs, but when they do foolish stuff like this, they're not going to beat anybody, let alone the Giants. I was willing to let that go. 
Okay, we don't play bad in the West East Coast. I mean, we we, we don't play bad at the Meadowland Stadium, that stadium. Notoriously, we don't we don't play well there. And in the East Coast, after buy, I'm willing to let that go. All the distractions. But this was a game that they foolishly threw away. And they threw it away, and they didn't, you know, I told you at halftime, they don't have an answer to stop the middle of the field. What the Chiefs were doing, what Peyton, uh, Patrick Mahomes stat, stat did on the defense was he was throwing to 10 yards under. And that, they were getting yards after the catch. He had three touchdowns like that. The Raiders didn't have an answer for that. So there's, there's work to be done. And with all that being said, if it wasn't for the turnovers, I mean, your, your punter makes the biggest hit of the game uh, and, and knocks the bar lo- ball loose. The Raiders would go down to score. And then they're just, it, it, there's, there's so many things wrong that happened in this game. Vinny. I am on my notes. You know, it's the things have got to change if the Raiders are going to, if the Raiders ever want to consider themselves good. No, I didn't think they were going through the season unblemished. Of course not. Okay. And then I didn't think they were going to have, you know, I came to the season seven with the extra game. Maybe I could see them getting 10 wins. They're still within that. Yeah, for but sure. But the, the schedule's not going to get any easier. You got the Bengals are coming off of a bye coming into your house. You got the Cowboys on a short week on Thanksgiving. It's not going to get any easier. They've got to right the ship. And they can't keep shooting themselves in the foot by doing stupid things. I, Brandon Parker still can't pick up a bull rush. Stop getting ran over. Don't you know this is what they're going to do? I wish to God people would somebody say something to him or give him some alternative. I hear you, and uh, you know, and and I was letting you vent there because I yep. know uh, it's near and dear to your heart, and you're expressing your frustrations and your passion uh, over the team that you love and the team that you hate. Uh, uh, you know, on the other side of True things, story. Uh, with the Chiefs. Here's the thing: you mentioned um, the Alex Leatherwood penalty. I just wrote a story about that today, so it's fresh in my mind. Lincoln, the Raiders have three offensive linemen. Three, three that are in the top eight in penalties in the NFL. Three of their offensive linemen are in the top eight in terms of penalties. Alex Leatherwood is number two, and a whole bunch of his are illegal procedures. The bulk of them, I think six of the nine, he might have eight or nine, one of those two, but regardless, six of the penalties that he has are illegal procedure penalties. John Simpson and Brandon Parker are tied for eighth with six penalties each. That's a lot of penalties yes, it for is. one part of uh, your, your, your team. And, and, and having said that, Lincoln, those pre-snap penalties are killers. They're killers. You talked about the fourth and one that became a fourth and six. It was going for it with Marcus Mariota on the field in a scoreless game to take advantage, to take the lead. Instead, they got to punt it. The Chiefs go nine, 89 yards in 11 plays, took all the time off the clock. They go up 7 nothing, and all of a sudden, from that point on, it was catch me if you can. Absolutely. And that's what I mean by waste of possession. Right. Instead of – and they were at – you know, the, the, the Chiefs' 47-yard line when that first error uh, occurs with Alex Leatherwood, the Raiders were moving the ball, and they've been moving the ball. But those errors that you talk about, that was a key error because if they get the first down, which Marcus Mariota on the field, one yard to go, uh, let's say he just – let's play it out that he makes that, uh, that yard and they get a new set of downs. Let's say they go, play, they go score a touchdown. Now it's reversed. Now it's catch me, if you can, to the Chiefs. It reversed on that. The Brandon Parker um, false start. It was a third and three. Yep. And I think it was a three-point game at that point. A third and three manageable. The Raiders are, have been pretty decent in that situation. Turns into a third and eight. Guess how many yards they got on the very next play? Three yards. Yep. The three yards they needed on a pass of Jalen Richard 
would have gotten them the first down on third and three. Instead, it was third and eight, punt. Uh, and I believe the Chiefs scored again after that. You can't do that. And here's the thing, Lincoln. Those errors that they had against a bad Giants team resulted in a close loss. The same errors against a good team ended up being a blowout loss. We've said so many times, it doesn't matter if you win by one or lose by one. A loss is a loss. A win is a win. It's the difference in that score was the difference in committing penalties and, and foolishness against a bad team versus a good team. But the end result is still the same, a loss. And there were both games that the Raiders, if they play clean football, it changes everything. Let me say something, Vinny. It's inexcusable for you to jump off sides when you're in your home stadium. It's inexcusable. Yeah. And, and it's happened a couple times, not just once. It ha- it's happened a couple times. There's no reason why if you're a nose guard and you're sitting there right over the football, you should jump off sides. There is no reason for that other than lack of concentration you know on both parts. You know the count on offense. Uh, that, well, that, that's what I'm saying. There's no reason. You can hear everything. Hell, I can hear Derek's count from the booth, and I'm in row 400. So why are you jumping off sides? What the hell? How, how are you so overly aggressive that you can't control your emotions to not hurt your team? You're not going to get there any faster. It's the same amount as waiting for the ball to snap to go. You can go with the same amount of aggression. You know, the play offensive line is a controlled aggression. I said it's, it's controlled violence between the whistles. When the, when the ball snaps and when the whistle goes and stops, that's when you stop. Controlled violence. You don't, you don't do stupid things. Like that, because they do end up killing your team. You know what? I feel bad for Marcus Mariota. There has been two occasions where he's come in to try to get a first down, and on both occasions, the dumbasses have a penalty. And here's the thing. (laughs) You know, I I can't say what you say, so um, (laughs) speak on it, Um, and I'll be over here uh, Mm -hmm. listening. But you're right, and who knows what that could lead to for Marcus Mariota. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Like, it expands his role if he can have success playing that role, but he hasn't even gotten a chance to do it because no. of penalties twice. That's exactly I, right. I think it's twice. Yes. The last two times he's been The last the two times. Yeah, I'm not mistaken. I know I have it last week. Frustrating. Yeah. Frustrating for the Raiders. And, and it's frustrating for me to watch because they're better than this. You see what I'm saying? They've got opportunities to do things. And, again, I'll excuse the Giants loss. I'll let it go. But you don't do that to a division in a divisional game. You don't give. You don't lose possessions like that in a divisional game because all of them count, and all of them matter. You know, the, the, after that they go punt, punt, intercept, or field goal, something like that. I can't remember the series of the downs, but they're like you said, they're playing catch up, and they're still in into it until the turnovers happen. But you know, the thing is, is that you're not you're you're having and, and believe me, we're going to get uh, talking about Derek Carr in a little bit too because he had another case of the happy feet. And I, I know how much you like Derek Carr, but there, there's a time where he's going to have to learn how to trust his offensive line. I know he doesn't get it a lot, but he's got to learn how to trust his offensive line because that third down and eight for him to take a check down, a three-yard check down, yeah, yeah no, <laughs> I, I, I'm, with, I'm absolutely with you uh, on, on that. And, you know, the long and short of it too, and we're going to definitely get into that, and we're going to also talk about the difference – in this offense, and I'm just going to have to say it, without Henry Ruggs. Lincoln, it's no coincidence that they've played their two worst games offensively in terms of explosion, plays down the field, execution, freeing guys up, running the ball. It's no coincidence, I don't believe, that the two games that they've played, that they haven't been able to, to, to do the things that they were doing, 
before while Henry was here happened while when he wasn't here in the first two games without him. I know it's a sore subject with people, and there's no doubt about that. There's a whole other um, side of that that you know uh, trumps anything we're talking about in terms of football. But if we're being honest, and this is a football show, and this is a football team, you have to talk about. And really, if you're the Raiders, replace it, replicate it, scheme around it, fix it, do something differently. Whatever the case is, it's a loss on the field that the Raiders have not been able to overcome just yet. I think we saw with Deshaun Watson, or excuse me, Deshaun Jackson, uh, some a little bit of what he's going to be able to bring. You know, once he gets a better understanding of this playbook. Unfortunately for him, on that very play, which is a nice design play, Derek Carr got the time in the pocket. Uh, you know, Deshaun ran a great route, makes a great catch, is trying to make a play. I know nobody feels any worse than he does right now. Trying to make a play, um, gets a little sideways. I don't know exactly what happened there. Exposes the ball, it gets punched out. Game changer and. I don't know what the Raiders are going to be able to do, but somehow, some way, they're going to have to get back to what they were doing when they had him on the field uh, because it changes a lot. Lincoln. Vinny, Vinny, there were opportunities in the game to, t- to throw the ball downfield. There were opportunities. There were times when the Chiefs brought blitzes and they had one-on-one coverage that Derek came off the receiver so quickly and just decided to take something safe. Uh, that, that he couldn't stretch the field. That one that Deshaun Jackson caught was not the only one, only time he was open. There were times Rizay Jones was open down the field. I've seen this before, and that's why I said he's got to learn to trust his protection. You know, was the I, protection there? Well, the, the protection was there, yeah, okay. several times, but he took a check down. He wanted to take a, something that was safe and, 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 you know, got a few yards here and there. And, and there are times where I don't mind that. You know, of course, you can keep a drive going, stuff like that. But there are also times where you have to take a shot downfield. Now, if you remember last year's game, speaking of rugs, last year's game in Kansas City, he, he threw the long ball. He threw the deep ball to rugs. He gave – there was one – the first one he threw to him was a 50-50 ball. And the second one was a wide-open post route with not a safety in the middle. It, 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 I feel it's just like when Jonathan Abram is on someone. I feel if Tyrone Matthew is on someone, you have to throw the ball to him. And that's what he did to Deshaun Jackson. Tyrone Matthew was a safety in space that doesn't do well in space. And he, the ball, you know, he made a play on the ball, tipped it, almost had an interception, but Sean, Sean caught it. I thought he was more surprised he caught the ball than, oh, I got to run, than, than anything else. But there are opportunities there. And that's why I say Derek needs And if you go back and look at the film, you know, take a look at the All-22. You'll see exactly what I'm referring to. Is there he, were opportunities. Is he um, – do you think it's that he's not trusting the protection or that he's he has a little bit of misgivings about – who he's throwing it to? Well, I, I I don't I doubt that because he still made plays to Brian Edwards. There was talent that yes. he tried to get the ball to Brian Edwards. Right, I, nice I, I think it, it it it's going. To, there's no doubt in my mind that they're going to have to have trust, and it's going to take some time to build chemistry. It doesn't happen overnight. There's no doubt in my mind for that. But you know, much as he did on that long pass uh, to to Sean Jackson, he's going to have to take chances like that, and and be smart about it. You know, obviously, if there's a safety sitting over top, you don't throw on somebody in a wheel route because then it's going to underthrow him. He's going to get he's going to get picked off. That's what happened in the Giants game. But you know, when you look at the the rush of the Chiefs and you look at what they did, the way they addressed it, they went out and they got Melvin Ingram. You know that they, they they've got uh, Clark, and you know they've got Chris Jones. They've got guys that can pass that that can rush the passer and then internally read. Okay, I get it. But there are times where you're going to have to just 
You're going to have to take a chance or take a risk or trust the guys in front of you that they're going to get it done. It wasn't a totally bad game, you know, for the offensive line. Um, they, they, there were some times they gave us some pressures, got, got beat. You know, I still have my, my, my things about uh, Brandon Parker. Right. Um, but, you know, there's times where you have to trust it because what you end up doing is you become somewhat predictable. When you're taking uh, a guy like uh, Darren Waller, out of out of uh you know out of the the pass route for a little bit because he has to chip, and then you bring in Foster Moreau, well you lose lose another receiver, and you can't always go to Hunter Renfro. I mean, for whatever it was worth, there were a lot of guys on the Raiders who were slipping on that field, um on on our own home field. I don't know what the heck was up with that, but those are just other details that I have in my notes. Um and you know keep in mind this is not a running football team. This is a passing football team. And they're going to have to you're going to have to figure out what they can do uh, minus Alec Ingo, so sorry that he's lost right. because he was a big part and a big part of inspiration and everything else into that offense. So there's some there's some schemes that they have to do, but also Derek's got to take got to got to got to be trusting a little bit more trusting when it comes to uh, his guys. I felt like the offensive game plan uh, in a whole it, it just it, it felt. Like not, I don't want to use the word timid. I hate the word timid, but it didn't look aggressive to me. And I think Lincoln against a team like the Kansas City Chiefs, you have to be aggressive. You have to take chances. I'd rather lose that way by just being bold and being aggressive uh, and and trying to to make big plays rather than run, run, get into third and long, uh, third, you know, a, 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 a check down pass or whatever the case might be. Not first down, got upon it. Now all of a sudden, you're giving Patrick Mahomes and his weapons another chance. Um, I just didn't like where they were uh, in terms of the approach uh, offensively, and I don't know why. Whether it was what the Chiefs were doing defensively, and by the way, the Melvin Ingram signing by the Chiefs changed a lot of what the Chiefs are doing because it moves Chris Jones inside exclusively right. where he's good. Uh, well, he played a little end against the Raiders, a little yeah, bit, a little, yeah, but yeah, mostly it does it does do uh, you know um, it, it does do that put him back at defensive tackle, and all of a sudden him. they're playing pretty decent defensively, yeah. which is not good if you're the Raiders. Um, well, it, it, it's still there. They they've got. They've got some guys that, that you can take advantage of. Yeah. Sorensen right. uh, in coverage, you could take advantage of. Uh, Ward's not playing as well as he did last year. He he has this, has had some troubles. Um, so they've got some coverage issues, uh, like I mentioned with Tyron Matthew. There are ways that you can exploit this team. Much to your uh, much to your argument about being a little bit more aggressive, I I can understand why you're not as aggressive or taking as many shots because you want to win the time of possession. Look at what the the Chiefs did. The Chiefs did it both times. If you look at the, 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 the scorecard from last year's game when they came to Legion and this year's game when they came to Legion, they controlled the time of possession, which limited the amount of uh, possessions the Raiders have, which I mean is the, that's why all possessions are important. And your dumbass offensive lineman can't jump outside. <laughs> right. that, that changes things too because uh, it, 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 you have a chance to move the chains and get four more downs. And you squander that. You look at the uh, how many plays the Raiders had in the first half. I want to say it was like 21, something very small, uh, because they kept twice they did that with the penalties. Mm-hmm. That that completely sabotaged drives and mm-hmm. gave the ball back to the Chiefs and denied the Raiders you know chances to to get more downs. So that played into it. It's just a um, and here's here's what's lost in all of this. Lincoln is the Raiders had a chance coming off the bye week to take a little bit of control of the AFC West and maybe even be one of the better teams, if not the best team record-wise, 
in the AFC, but they come out of the break. I know they lost a key player in the, between that break and when they started, uh, but what was lost too was a chance to really take some control. Now they got to swim back up uh, stream to try to kind of get back in. They, I, they're only a half a game out of the AFC West. And everybody's kind of bunched up in the AFC in general. So, uh, you know, nobody's running away with it. That's the good thing. But, but it, over these next 10 days, the Raiders have to figure out a way to play smarter, to play with more poise, to play with better efficiency, to try to get back on track. If they can win these next two games, they're back in business. But if they continue to fall into the bad habits that they've shown these last two weeks, it could get really ugly. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation listener line. Raider914 is on the line. How you doing, brother? Vinny Link, what do you say? We're good, man. How are you doing? I'm pissed, man. Um, big stage. And we looked like we've never been there before. Um, it's scary how unprepared we looked. Uh, Link said before... Link said before he feels bad for a guy like Mariota. I feel bad for a guy like Jim Otto. His legs are still laying on the field from 30, 40, 50 years ago. We had all our alumni there, and we played like dogs. We played like a bunch of dogs. How? Let me ask. I'm going to ask Link a question. We played like we've never seen Kelsey or Tyreek Hill before. How did we – we played like we didn't watch any tape on these guys. How did they open the whole game? Well, it's how not – how, how did they continue to find ways to get those guys open year after year? Well, well, let me make one point. Last year, the first game we played against Kansas City, Paul, we couldn't wait for Paul Gunther to go. The next day, we all thought Paul Gunther was God. He came up with that scheme where he had the guy stay in the middle of the field like a spy on Patrick Mahomes. And Patrick Mahomes was off. We outplayed them last year. This year, we, play, we played like we've never seen these guys before. That is our, our division rival. That's our rival. And that was alumni week. First place was, was, was winking at us. It was like the hot girl next door. And she keeps winking at us. And we're too scared to go grab it. Well, I will tell you this. Um, when you talk about Kelsey and you talk about um, Tyreek Hill, uh, the issue became, as it's as it, the field it would be, is that teams that have good tight ends exploit this defense because we don't have a good coverage linebacker. Um, the Chargers did it. Um, you saw a touchdown by Ingram, the tight end in the Giants, and you don't have a, a, a good safety that can play within the box. The cover three system, the biggest thing that threatens it are verticals, um, and that's and that's the go routes. When you have speedy receivers like they have with Robinson and Tyreek Hill and those guys, what they do is they take off the top of the defense, and there's big voids left underneath. They don't have an answer for that. When the Raiders went to their dime front, they brought in Dalen Levitt. They took out one of their linebackers. Uh, for the most part, I thought it was Denzel. They took him out. And it showed a cover two look, which in, in essence, it's not a cover two. It's almost like a quarter system or a cover six. That gave the Chiefs the most problems on defense as far as completing passes. But still, what it does is it softens you up against the run. And more importantly, you still don't have someone who can tackle in the, inside the perimeter. You've got to be able to tackle. You limit the yards after catch. If you look at that stat, Vinny, because I know you, you pay attention to the numbers. If you look at that stat, look how many times he threw the ball 10 yards or lower in yards after the catch. 
Yeah, and it wasn't the the, the problem. You know, there, yes, there were some mixed missed tackles, especially in the run game. But it, it took guys a while to get to those receivers that yep. were catching. The, they were just in open, deep. wide open space. Yep. And um, somebody brought it up. I, 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 I'll, I'll look at the uh, exact stat. But, you know, the Raiders don't play that too high safety look. Nope, they but don't. they did. And they, they got killed on that. It was a killer um, formation for them that Patrick Mahomes completely abused. And it was one of those situations where I felt like the Raiders – looked at what other teams were doing to stop um, the Chiefs, and it was with that too high safety look. But well, I mean, if you, I mean, if you saw, saw the breakdown, there were times where the Raiders had some of their best defensive success running that. It's the, when they went to their normal personnel to stop the run. There were times where they had to bring in KJ right for Denzel, Denzel Perriman because he wasn't athletic enough to cover up that middle. you got to have a, 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 a linebacker that can run in that middle when you're playing that defense against that type of team. Right, exactly. So, so that's, that becomes an issue within itself. You know, you, it's, it, you, the thing is, is that the Raiders, of course, it would be different if they scored. It would definitely be different. But with playing that type of defense, it's a bend-but-don't-break mentality. Once you get within the 20 in the red zone – that's when you're supposed to stiffen up because a lot of the windows are taken away. You don't have that space anymore. And that's why the, the, what the Chiefs try to do is they try to run in that area because they know that you were soft on the back end. Right. So, I mean, those are things that, that you'll feel for the second game. But most of it just came from, you know, penalties keeping drives alive for them. Uh, and and, uh, and and more important, just missing tackles. And penalties that stopped drives for the Raiders. For the Raiders, exactly right. Absolutely right. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio 920 AM on a Tuesday. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Now back to your hosts, Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy. What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. On a Tuesday, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonser and Lincoln Kennedy, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Uh, we're going to go out to the Raider Nation guest line and welcome in a good friend of ours, uh, Peter O'Reilly, who works for the NFL. And guess what? We're already talking about the Pro Bowl, which is uh, scheduled to be in Las Vegas uh, in January. And uh, Peter was nice enough to join us today to talk about kind of the kickoff for the Pro Bowl, for the first Pro Bowl here in Las Vegas. Uh, ticket sales uh, are going, tickets are going on sale this week. There's a bunch of festivities leading up to the game. Of course, it's going to be at Allegiant Stadium. The East-West Shrine game uh, is combined in there uh, as well. It's going to be a great week and a great game uh, on Sunday at Allegiant Stadium uh, ahead of the Super Bowl. First of all, Peter, thanks so much for spending some time with us in the huddle. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Benny. How are you? Good to talk with you tonight. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Hey, I got a quick question for you. Um, you know, we watch Allegiant Stadium uh, on game day, and it comes to life. Las Vegas comes to life. It's already kind of, to me anyway, and I've been all over the NFL. I worked in Los Angeles for years. Uh, you know, each market kind of has its own unique feel and taste to it. But I think very quickly, Las Vegas is establishing its own identity, um, its own uniqueness. It feels like an event uh, every time the Raiders play there, not just the game, which have been great and exceptional, but also the entertainment value, um, the fans coming in from you know uh, other cities to enjoy it. I, I'm just curious, uh, back in New York, uh, in the NFL offices, uh, how has the league taken to what you're seeing going on here in Las Vegas? I think very positive. I think, you know, better than, than we even anticipated. Like you said, every game, Allegiant, just it's such a spectacular stadium. The energy there, 
It is every game is an event. Fans coming from across the country, you see the demand that's there. You see what the secondary market has done and the way that the, the Raiders done such an exceptional job to make every game such a big event. Um, I think the excitement is huge. We knew it, we, we knew it would be big and um, we knew it would be special, um, but it is, it's exceeded that. And then to your point, to culminate this first season with fans um, with a Pro Bowl, first time in Vegas, first official big NFL league event in Vegas, it feels like the right way to end the first season with fans. Obviously, we would have been loved to have been there last year, but it couldn't happen. Yeah, uh, no doubt about it. Uh, last year, we're trying to forget last year everything that went on. We're trying to, you know, everything's moving forward. Uh, we're not quite out of the woods yet, but uh, it feels good uh, that we're moving in the right direction. And it, and it definitely has been a scene uh, out here. And I can't wait to see what it's going to look like for, for the Pro Bowl uh, and all the festivities uh, that you guys have planned uh, for this great event. Um, first and foremost, the the thought process of having the Pro Bowl here in Las Vegas. What kind of went into that? I know it's going to be a fabulous success, and I think that just the market, the city, everything that has to offer is going to accentuate it. But from the NFL's perspective, the thought process behind having this game in Las Vegas. Yeah, I mean, it's been, as you know, the history of it, it's been, you know, there was so many years in Hawaii, which was fantastic. We made the move. We've done a couple of years in the Super Bowl market, one year Miami, one year Arizona, and we did the last four years prior to last year in Orlando, which was fantastic. But when when Allegiant was on the horizon, when Vegas was on the horizon, it was always something in our mind of, of what a great possible Pro Bowl destination it could be. Obviously, we worked through these things with the, with the ownership and, and determine what the right fit is, as well as with the players. And, and this, is, this is an honor. This is 88 of the biggest stars in the NFL and their families and friends coming together to be celebrated for a week and and put on a great game and a skill show um, and, and create this accessible, fun week for the fans. And it's hard to think of a better place than Las Vegas to do that. Um, so it was a natural conversation when, you know, when we knew Allegiant was on the way. And then, um, you know, we're excited to see it actually come to fruition. Yep, without a doubt. We're talking to Peter O'Reilly from the NFL. By the way, I think I said at the top, uh, that it was going to be in January. Obviously, it's in February. I'm still trying to do the math of this season. Um, yeah, a little 17 now, yeah. <laughs> exactly. The Super Bowl is obviously going to be a week later um, in Los Angeles, right down the 15 freeway. Uh, looking forward to that uh, as well. But it's going to be Sunday, February 6th, uh, 12 p.m. Uh, Pacific time uh, is when the game kicks off uh, at Allegiant Stadium. I know you've got um, some some uh, announcement to make in terms of ticket sales and, and voting. So uh, without further ado, if you could let the fans know uh, where they can go um, to go get their tickets and, and to try to, uh, you know, uh, accentuate this and, and make the most of this great week that's coming up. Yeah, so today's the day. You know, the, the Pro, Bowl, Pro Bowl tickets are on sale uh, to the public. Just simplepro.com. You can go and, and get tickets to the game. And obviously, you know, a lot of people want to come in from around the country, but we want as many people from Las Vegas and the region there and representing the Raiders. So um, two thing ha- things happen today. Tickets available at probowl.com, and Pro Bowl voting is now live. So can vote for your favorite players, your favorite Raiders, and obviously – that's a huge part of the process of, uh, of supporting the team and, and voting for the players that get into the game. So that's what it is. And, and having been fortunate to, to be around a bunch of different Pro Bowls through the years, I think this one's going to be pretty extra special in terms of even what you don't experience in watching a Pro Bowl on TV. 
We're creating a big red carpet where fans can be get access to the players coming in. A lot. It's different. It's different than a regular season game. There's no doubt about it. Interviews with the players on the sidelines, engaging with the fans. So, and it's a really family friendly event. So hopefully people will uh, will be part of it. Not only the game, but practices will be open, so fans can come out to practices. So it's just a fun week, and uh, you know, guys are guys are loose and and uh, and ready to you know, to be celebrated, which is what they deserve. Well, I'm glad you mentioned the red carpet because my wife saw that. That's the first thing that she saw. What red carpet? What is this about? What's going on with the red carpet? So if you can, you know, don't give it all away, but if you could share some details on what the red carpet is all about. Yeah, we don't typically do red carpets at NFL games. (laughs) The Pro Bowl is a little bit different. So, uh, you know, you'll have kind of the AFC and NFC coming in. Those guys always are looking to dress to the nines, but we do a little – you know, we kind of play it up in terms of the guys being dressed to the nines coming in for Pro Bowl. Obviously, at Las Vegas, you'll probably have some celebrity components tied into it as well. So um, that's the that's the fun of Pro Bowl. Of you know, they're they're there. It's it's amazing to see you know the unique quarterback thrown to different receivers and different defensive players playing against different guys. Um, but these other elements that are accessible and, and allow fans to to see their favorite players in unique, unique ways is what the Pro Bowl is all about. So more to come for, for you and your wife on that. Those are the basics. <laughs> uh, and my producer, Devon Cotton, actually has a question. Devon, take it away. Yeah, Peter, is there any chance that we can get, like, some skills competition before the Pro Bowl? Maybe, like, some throw-in, a catch competition? Any way we can, like, maybe convince the players to get some of that going? Yeah, we are We are definitely doing we're, – we're, the skills show that we brought back a few years ago is – is going to be you know bigger and, and I think more exciting than we've ever done. That we're going to be doing earlier in the week, so that'll be we're working with ESPN on that, and that'll likely uh, film on Wednesday, air on Thursday night. We're not yet announcing what those exact skills are. We're going to take some that we had and use in Orlando that you've seen, but bringing in some brand new ones that uh, will we'll first debut in Las Vegas. So um, the players have loved the skill show, as you've seen, and being involved in it, so you're going to see more of that this year and probably a bigger show than we've ever done before. Um, so more to come on that in the, in the coming weeks. Pete, uh, we're talking to Peter O'Reilly from the NFL and talking about the Pro Bowl, which is coming to Las Vegas, Legion Stadium, Sunday, February 6th at 12 p.m. Of course, that's the week before uh, the Super Bowl over at SoFi Stadium uh, in Los Angeles. Peter, covering the NFL and covering big events, um, you know, uh, that the NFL puts together, whether it's the draft, the Super Bowl, now the Pro Bowl. Um, the one thing that always stands out to me is how family-oriented um, these events tend to be. And it's not just game day. Yeah. Um, and it becomes like a whole week type of a situation, and it takes over the city that you're in. Um, and it's and it's really cool because you see jerseys from all other teams. Everyone's just kind of celebrating football, um, whether it's the draft or the Super Bowl uh, and now the Pro Bowl here in Las Vegas. Um, can you shed a little bit of light on when – uh, you guys are going to be getting into town when fans here in Las Vegas and obviously from out of town uh, can plan to start getting here to really take advantage of everything that you guys are going to have to offer. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you're, you're spot on on the family friendly and there's, you know, it's, it's families of the players and it's families coming in and we've, we've seen that. So the players likely coming in on the Tuesday of that week. So it's, they're in for a number of days. Wednesday we'll do the skills show and that'll have some access for fans to be in there. The practices will then be a really family-friendly and fan-friendly to come and watch the ASC and NFC practice. And then the good part, which is really cool, because we've really built the week into all levels of football, 
So we're going to do starting with the NFL flag championship. So the best youth girls and boys flag players from across the country are going to all come to Las Vegas for the NFL flag championships. That'll go on throughout the week, and then they'll play on the Pro Bowl field on Sunday. So you got the youth level. You've got some of the best college players in the East-West Shrine Bowl at Allegiant on Thursday night, looking to be drafted a few months later in Las Vegas uh, when the draft comes to Las Vegas. And then um, so chance for, for families and friends to uh, attend that and fans to attend that and then going into the weekend and the game. And then, as you know, there will be doing things. Players will be involved in community events all across the city and our partners at the Las Vegas Convention and Visitor Authority have been awesome and just making sure that the Pro Bowl is, is all over the city, both in terms of what fans can do and then the legacy that an event like this can leave on a, on a city like, like Las Vegas. Yeah, and I, I, I remind fans uh, all the time, you got the East-West Shrine game, the Pro Bowl, the Super Bowl, which is just a couple hours down the road in Los Angeles, then back here to Las Vegas for the draft. It's really uh, between SoFi Stadium and Allegiant Stadium. It, it's really opened up the West Coast, I think, anyway, uh, to the NFL, and uh, it's just getting started, and there's so many great things that, uh, that, are, that are on their way, and, and we love talking about it, and we really thank you for uh, joining us today to kind of shed some light, and I'm sure we'll have you on at some point down the road to talk about other things uh, that might be happening here in Las Vegas uh, and, and things that are happening in Las Vegas, uh, i.e. the draft. So, Peter, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Uh, take care of yourself, and we will look forward to seeing you in, in uh, February. Thanks so much, Vinny. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, everybody. You got it. That was Peter O'Reilly from the NFL. Big things are happening uh, in Las Vegas. You know, when when the Raiders and the NFL and the, and the state of Nevada and the city of Las Vegas started putting this whole thing together, I, I know the focus is on eight Sundays out of the year, now nine uh, every other year with the extra home game. And, of course, you got some preseason games as well. That becomes the focus. But there's so much more to this, uh, as we're seeing with other fans coming into Allegiant Stadium and, and staying at our hotels and eating at our restaurants and spending money here uh, and raising the tax revenue. And then you've got the Senior Bowl, you've got, uh, excuse me, you've got the, the Pro Bowl, you've got the East-West Shrine game, um, you've got the draft coming in uh, in a couple of months. Uh, it just big events at Allegiant Stadium. It's a year-round situation now, and it's really opened things up for Las Vegas, and it's opened things up for the world to see what Las Vegas is all about, above and beyond everything that we all have always had uh, to offer. So it's a pretty special time here in Southern Nevada, and uh, we are happy to talk about it. You're in the huddle with Vinny Monsignor and Lincoln Kennedy, brought to you by Tequila Embajador Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. By the way, if you want to go get tickets to the Pro Bowl, uh, just go to ProBowl.com. It's got all the information. Plus, you can vote for your favorite players across the NFL. In the huddle, Vinny Monsignor and Lincoln Kennedy, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Interact with the show. Text Vinny and Lincoln on the Sam and Ash text line at 69187 or tweet them at Vinny Bonsignor and at LKennedy72. This is In the Huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. What's good, Raider Nation? Hey, guys, I want to talk a little bit about my new friends over at Sextros, and they're putting a contemporary spin on an American classic, you know, way back in Prohibition time, the little town of Templeton, Iowa, became one of the liquor capitals of the world. And a pioneering mother, driven by the need to feed her family, crafted a farmhouse brew that ended up becoming an iconic piece of American history. Through word of mouth, 
Lorene Sextro's distinctive creation spread from St. Paul to St. Louis and Omaha to Chicago, where Al Capone, Al Capone, referred to it as the gold standard. The recipe has survived decades of copycats and imitations. Meanwhile, Mama Sextro's secret concoction was passed on from generation to generation. And now, nearly 100 years later, her grandson Heath has brought it back to life. And what was once only enjoyed by Big Al and his connected associates is now available to you. I've personally tried it, and it's exceptional. It's fresh, it's clean, and it's a superior spirit for any cocktail. Visit sextros.com, that's S-E-X-T-R-O-S.com, for all their products and recipes and where you can find it locally. Get connected over at sextros, S-E-X-T-R-O-S.com, and tell them Vinny sent you. Lincoln Kennedy... Mm-hmm. Talking about the Raiders. Yep. And what the heck is going on? Two straight losses. They had a chance to kind of put a little bit of a, not a stranglehold, but they could have taken control uh, of the AFC West. We've seen what's happened with the Los Angeles Chargers, their plan. They're doing Charger-type things. Yep. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs came in here vulnerable. It was the New York Giants the week before, a beatable team. Uh, but gosh darn it, the Raiders keep shooting themselves in the foot. And it's a time of year where this is when you need to start turning the corner. This is when the real ones separate themselves from the pretenders. And it's just really frustrating, I'm sure, for Raider Nation. I know it is uh, for those players in that locker room, for that coaching staff, uh, that some of those um, you know, uh, flaws – or old habits that have plagued them these last couple of years coming down the stretch are all of a sudden uh, kind of reemerging. Uh, there's still plenty of time, Lincoln, though, to get this thing straight. We saw the Rams last night uh, get their hats handed to them by the San Francisco 49ers. A week ago, uh, they got beat by the Tennessee Titans. This was a team everyone was talking about as a Super Bowl uh, contender, and there's still time for them to get it together. You know, the Jacksonville Jaguars beat the Buffalo Bills. Dallas Cowboys lose to the Denver Broncos. A week later, all of a sudden, we're talking about them in the Super Bowl again. It's one of the weirdest years to date that I can remember at Lincoln Kennedy, and I almost get the feeling that you just kind of kind of try to survive uh, until you can get to a point where who gets hot at the right time, um, especially in this AFC, because there's nobody running away with this thing, and that's what's so frustrating about these last two weeks. I think that the, the strangest thing that's happened in the last two weeks is that you've had – you know, you, you, we, we've seen it throughout history, you know, um, favorites get knocked off, you know, uh, in, in a week or, or whatever like that. But I think over the last couple of weeks, what was made it so strange was the fact that number of teams that lost. He talked about the Dallas Cowboys getting their hats handed to them and as well as the Buffalo Bills by two teams that no one, you know, I mean, for I think the Jaguar was, was a nine and a half point favorite uh, or underdog for the Buffalo Bills or something like that, a two score underdog. So, yes, sir. Um, you know, you, you, the frequency of, or the way, in which way it happened and the week it happened, I've seen it happen before, so it's not surprising. And I've always believed any given day, anybody can beat anyone else. I mean, that's why everybody's paid out there. So um, you don't want to get them the right to ship. But to your point, there's still time. There's Plenty. still a lot of football to be played. But at the same point, they've got to figure out – they've got to stop making the bonehead mistakes because I believe that teams that win in November and December play in January. And even with the extra game at it, you know, I still think it's going to come down – the divisional is going to come down to the Chargers and the Raiders. But now the Chargers – I mean, now the Raiders have put themselves behind – uh, uh, not only the eight ball, but because they lost to the Chargers, to the Chargers, the Chargers already, and um, the Chiefs. But, you know, I, I don't think the Broncos are going to get any better, especially by the effort they showed against Philadelphia. Um, but you, you can't afford to drop games that you should win. 
So the, 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 the Chicago Bears were one that they should have won. The, the New York Giants were one that they should have won. Um, they were in the game to Kansas City before the, the all hell blo- broke loose. But, you know, you, you still have to find a way to win those games. And I don't know, you know, I can't put my finger exactly on what's gone wrong. I do know what I saw, what I was most disappointed in, was the fact that there was a lack of concentration and there was a lack of emotional control. When you have guys jumping off sides, when you can hear everything else, you're not focused. You're not concentrating on the task at hand. And I've told you that you know, I'd much rather – have a guy go through everything full speed rather than think, you still have to play within the rules of the game. I'll say this. It could be a lack of focus. It could also be sometimes it just gets, the moment gets the best of you. Like you're trying too hard. Like if there's a fine line there sometimes, uh, Lincoln, I don't, you know. But you got to, but you got to, here's the thing. And I agree with you. Sometimes you're trying too hard, but you also, the things that you're trying too hard are killing your team. Yes. You've got to, you've got to get focused. Look, if, if you're one of the most penalized offensive linemen in, in the National Football League, you have to take in control, have to take under, under, under understanding that they're going to be looking for you. So don't give them a reason to penalize you. You know, I used to go to every ref and every umpire when I played the game. And I said, if I ever got caught doing something wrong, just let me know what I did. And I had more refs because they don't want to call flags. Was they don't want to slow down the game. Was that before you slipped in the $100 or, or after? No, no, no. You didn't have to do it. It, just, it was a common courtesy. See, here's, <laughs> it's, it's the small things that go a long way. I knew every referee and every umpire by first name. Hey, Steve. Hey, Sm- hey right. Sam. How you doing? How's the family? And how's the family? You talk to them and you say, look, if I ever get called anything, doing anything wrong, just let me know. And I had more referees. Hey, Lincoln, watch your hands. Your hands are outside. Hey, be careful. Don't do that. Then throw flags. But when you jump all sides – when you're when you're you're going on a you're going on a on a, a quick count, you have to hold your water even more because you have to listen for Derek's voice. You're going to hear all kinds of things yelling. You're going to hear the crowd. You're going to hear all kinds of things. But you have to listen to Derek's voice, and you're right there. There's no reason for you to have that many offside penalties. Sean McVay told me a story. Uh, it's during a game, right? And they're playing the Philadelphia Eagles at the Coliseum, the Los Angeles Rams against the Philadelphia Eagles, and it was getting testy. I think it was Tremaine Johnson was in the middle of it, kind of a notorious trash talker. Uh, and the referee comes over to the sideline in the middle of a drive that the Eagles had, right? It's like third down and long. And um, the referee comes over to McVay and says, hey, man, you got to get your players under control. And, and McVay is like, okay, who is it? Let me know. Let me know right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and he gets number this guy, number that mm-hmm. guy. He's like, mm-hmm. all right. As soon as this drive's over, when they come back to the sidelines, I got you. I'm going to mm-hmm. get, you know, I'm going to make sure. The very next play. They throw a on third and long incomplete pass. They throw a uh, a penalty on Tremaine for you know John with I think it was uh, Alton Jeffrey uh, mm-hmm. was so it, it t- turned it into from a third down play to now all of a sudden it's first and somewhere in at the twenty yard line the Philadelphia Eagles score the next play they win that game it's, this was in the fourth quarter and McVeigh's like I told you that I would well, mm-hmm. you know I yes I I couldn't get to him right then but you I, you told me to talk to them I promised you I would talk to them and then you throw the flag that's got to be kind of frustrating too the well it is it is it is frustrating but I do know these I know the ref a lot of times don't want to throw flags. Now, I would say, you know, I thought the one where they threw on uh, Max Crosby was, you know, we, we had a difference of opinion up there in the booth. Brent said, well, that was just a little toss. Well, Max did throw him back five yards. I mean, that, throw the slam him down to the ground. The made it kind of easy on the referee. Yeah, made it. That was an easy call. But at the same point, those are the things where you – those are the, because that extended that drive. They ended up scoring after that. Yes, they did. You know, when you have high energy, high output, you have a capable team as the Raiders are. 
the last thing you want to do is stub your own toe. And it wasn't even the number of penalties. It was the timing of the penalties. Timing, timing, timing. Timing was killing it. And it, it either it stopped momentum on offense or it extended you know, a, a, a drive on defense. And it, you just can't have that, especially at this, at this junction. And in trying to play, you're trying to play a, a championship caliber team. You can't have that. That was the equivalent of a playoff game. It, it felt it. It's, I, that's what the atmosphere was like. Without a doubt. Um, and we're going to get back to uh, all of our callers, so please hang in there. Um, and in playoff games and big games, that's when you have to play with the most poise. I'm with you uh, on the offensive line. Um, you have to, whether the moment is too big or whatever the case might be, you have to settle yourself down. And as Lincoln said, get focused and get poised so that you're not hurting your team and 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 there were a group of guys uh, on sunday unfortunately that lost their cool uh, in certain moments and i know max crosby was frustrated you know i watched the game twice now uh there's no doubt he was getting held um and they weren't calling it there were nope. so i'm sure that's frustrating to him i get it i understand it uh, everybody does but that's when you have to fight yourself even more uh, to try to not, um, you know, uh, do something that he ended up doing uh, and, and costing his team. I know that he's going to heed that lesson. He's that type of guy. You're in the huddle with Vinny Monster and Lincoln Kennedy, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. We're getting to the calls when we come back.